Have you been there and done it when it comes to nutrition, exercise and motivation? My name is Laura Moffat and I'm part of the Basics Lifestyle and Wellness team. We're not your standard health podcast and we don't claim to be experts, but we do know change isn't easy. Our aim is to bring you the best in the business in all aspects of mind, body and soul. We hope to create a spark and with expert knowledge, give you the information and motivation to make a change. Please enjoy. Welcome to episode 10 of the Basics Lifestyle and Wellness and hopefully the first of many milestones to come. It's Zach here with Emma. Hi. And we've got an absolutely fantastic guest on for you this episode. So we've had the opportunity to meet some of the top experts in all aspects of holistic health, but we've also been really, really fortunate to have met some incredibly inspiring people who are making a big difference. And in this episode, we are joined by one of those very people, Justin McLean. So I was introduced to this gentleman through a mutual friend and colleague and was blown away by his story, his positivity, and what he's actually doing now and how he's giving back in a big, big way and making a difference. So without further ado, I would like to bring you Justin McLean. Justin is a senior partner at PwC. He's had a huge life-changing experience and who I have got no doubt will inspire and motivate all of you, our listeners out there. Welcome and hello, Justin. It's great to be here. I'm very, very excited and congratulations on what you both are doing. I think this is really, really important and good. Thanks, Justin. Well, if you would just like to start off by telling us a little bit about yourself. Um, so I'm in my early 40s. I have three children. So from a previous relationship, I have an 18-year-old and she's in London at the moment studying fashion and she's quite excited about that. So um, I am a novice on the topic of fashion. <laughs> I can tell you how certain seams work and how certain seams don't. Um, then I have a four-year-old and six-year-old Jonah and Hunter. So I have fashion at one end of the table and then on the other end, I have YouTube for kids going and educating there. So it's quite a full life. And I work at PwC, and that takes up quite a fair bit of my life. But I, I have been other interests which we can talk about, which are probably more important and more passionate to me around things that I've started, social enterprises and the like, that excite me a lot. Awesome. So on your social enterprises, yep. um, we've watched your film, An Open Letter to Cancer. And I have to say, I was crying from start to finish. <laughs> it was a very moving and powerful film. Yep. Um, could you tell us a little bit about what motivated you to create this? Yes. So a bit of background. I'm quite a fit, healthy guy. I, I, I look after myself. I was having quite significant pain in my back and then at the base of my back. Um, and for about nine months, I went and saw a physio. Um, good diligent person they said it's because I travel too much on planes the way I carried my bags and uh, the pain didn't decrease at all um, and it actually got greater and greater and then one day I, I could see bleeding started to happen I went quickly got checked straight away and I had a stage 3 bowel cancer colorectal cancer and so what was causing the pain was actually the tumor was so low down it was hitting my nerves in the back and things like that, that was causing the pain that I was walking around for nine months. Um, that threw me from a very successful trajectory, wonderful path of corporate land into the most tumultuous and intimidating and lonely experience I think I'll ever go through on planet Earth, touch wood, called navigating cancer. Uh, so I went through 13 months of treatment. So the first three months radiation, uh, every day 
and then chemo, I carried a bottle of chemo that was inserted into me. So I carried that with me three or four months. So it was quite harrowing watching this bottle of chemo just slowly drip into your system. And basically that debilitated to me to the point where, you know, I, I, some days you're just immobile. And that was my introduction to cancer of going from corporate land into this you know, amazing experience. So three or four months of treatment, then surgery, take the cancer out. Um, luckily they found it, it had not spread to other parts of my body um, and the biopsy came up positive. That was an invasive 12 hour surgery to basically replace my bowel, take it out. And then I had to go through a process of learning to walk again, all those types of things. I could tell you how many steps it was the first day, the second day. And then I went into six months of chemotherapy after that. So it was a 12, 13 months to then get back to the place I am now. And, you know, I just felt incredibly honored to be able to live. And that sounds crazy, but it, it, um, I often say this, I was asking questions of myself in my early stage of my 40s when I had a one-year-old at home, Jonah, and I'm thinking, am I going to see this guy again? Because at the start, we didn't know what the verdict was going to be, and it was quite serious. And so you ask yourself these really um, strong questions about, well, what if I did pass away at this stage of my life? Well, what's my legacy? What will people remember me by? You know, what will my daughter Grace say about me? You know, what's my legacy and those sorts of things? And they're, they're things that you don't really want to face into at that age, but I had a lot of spare time to look into it. And I just felt this huge, overwhelming sensation of gratitude to be able to live. And I felt like I wanted to inspire people. And I feel that the cancer experience and navigating yourself in a health system is horribly intimidating. It's lonely. Uh, it's very, very disjointed. There's no technology. It's very technologically bereft. And so I felt this huge compulsion with Open Letter to Cancer to make a film. Which is actually quite a funny story about how this happened. I get bored really quickly. <laughs> really quickly. And when you've got cancer, you've got a lot of spare time. So a buddy of mine, um, his name's Ashley, he's a fellow partner in, in London. He said, you should come over to London in between chemo. And I'm like, um, that's a great idea. I'm not sure it's allowed, but let's, let's do it. He goes, you've got to meet this guy. You've got to meet this guy. You guys got to hit it off. Because we've got to inspire you somehow. And so they came up with this trip to Corsica, which is, and it's called Cancer to Corsica. My, my local friend, Adam, he came around and he said, you know, you've got to beat this. So Saturday night, I was in a bad, bad way um, during my radiation. He said, you've got to beat this and we're all going to go. 20 of us, we're going to ride in Corsica. It's going to be the coolest thing ever. And Cancer is a black and white, dark, dark movie. You know, there's no happy ending. And we're going to make it beautiful colors of Corsica. Uh, it's going to be symbolic of, of, of your journey and the fact that you've been given the gift of being able to live on again. And so I said, that sounds cool. So it didn't go really down that well with my oncologist where I said, I'd like to go to London for a week <laughs> in between treatments. Um, and so I hold the record of the first person of ever attempting this. <laughs> so um, I said, well, I'm going, you work back from yes. And so I went and got off a plane at 6.45 in the morning and went straight and was in my chemotherapy eight, 37 days later. So um, <clears throat> so that's sort of some sort of record, I'm told. So I went and met this guy, Rafa, from Rafa. It's a cycling brand, R-A-P-H-A, beautiful man, Simon Mottram. I was meant to go for an hour. I got off a plane, went straight to his office. 
I sat there with my mate Ashley and Adam, who came with me as well to make sure I did, <laughs> make sure I got the whole way to London, <laughs> sort of stop at Dubai and fall asleep and not wake up. Um, so the four of us sat there for an hour, and we ended up talking for seven hours. Wow. And we got to the end of it. Like, this is amazing. What should we do? We should make a film. So let's make a film. So the, and so I said, what are we going to do? I said, well, my life's pretty shit at the moment. She just follow me around. <laughs> like, just follow me around from chemo, what it's like, and follow me all the way to Corsica. So basically, these cool young guys followed me around, and they got on the plane with me and followed me to Corsica. And, you know, that's the story of cancer to Corsica. And, you know, it's had an amazing... Uh, I think probably once or twice a week, um, I get stopped. I was in California recently. Guy came up to me and just hugged me on the street. Just lost his brother to cancer. Said how it inspired them as a family. Oh. I appreciate things. So it's had a massive impact, particularly on the West Coast in in America. It's, it's um, I get a lot of you know support, and um, so it seems to have inspired a lot of people, which was the intent of. I know it's difficult your time, I know it's lonely, but for you and your family, family, you should be able to thrive and have a mindset of positivity during that. Yeah. yeah. It's absolutely amazing. The, the video, we'll put a link to that after this at the bottom of the podcast, Driver. But um, yeah, it's incredibly inspiring. And I think you said as well earlier, there was nearly half a million views on it as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think what sets it apart is just seeing how much control you want to take over at a time where you probably didn't have much control. Yeah. Um, and just seeing the look on your face when you're in your training and I think that has just like, I know it definitely motivated me to think, you know, if this was to ever happen to me or in general, if this is like just my life, I should fight for it as hard as what you were there. So I think that's probably what sets it apart from other things that you see on cancer. You only see, you know, the struggle and things like that, but then you just see you fighting. Yeah. And I love that. So that's probably the strongest points of motivation from yeah. that that I took. So, you know, in terms of Thriver, if you just want to tell us a little bit about it and, and where sure. you're heading with it now. I mean, the whole genesis of Thriver is, you know, going back to where I started, is you are thrust into an incredibly harrowing experience. And that might be Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, cancer, whatever um, disease that besets yourself or your, or your family. And what actually takes place is that I found is this thing that made no sense to me at all, which was I'm in the most vulnerable, intimidating place in my life, and I'm trying to navigate this health system. And someone said it facetiously recently, but it was quite amusing, was um, getting cancer was the easy part. Navigating the health system was the hard part, mm -hmm. you know? And I just feel in an age where the iPhone, and you know, the Samsung dominates our life, you sort of park that at the door and then you write your next 12 months of cancer on pieces of paper and it's so fragmented and I had a two-year-old and four-year-old trying to work out childcare and they're saying, I can only give you this time for the oncologist. Last time I checked, I was the customer paying you. Mm. So I'll tell you when I'm free. Oh no, it doesn't work like that. Mm. You know, so that we just have this and you know, it just weighs you down over a while and you just become quite frustrated, agitated, yet you should be in this wonderful place of being able to double down all your efforts on beating the disease. Mm. Yet you've got this weird thing over here trying to navigate your diets all over the shop because you've got this chemotherapy or these tablets going into you that you've never had before. So I'm craving 
Big Macs at 2 a.m. in the morning and <laughs> salt and vinegar chips at 10 a.m. in the morning. Crazy things were going on in my body and that, and I'm trying to understand what's going on. You know, other things that were very, very challenging, you know, the things of um, everything's paper-based, so you've got to write everything down. So, and your brain's fried because <laughs> you haven't got much resilience, and so everything's very, very difficult. So I made up the word thriver, T-H-R-I-V-O-R. Because I think we just got to get rid of this word called survivor. Because that's far too binary. Because for me, unfortunately for me, my mother was diagnosed just as I finished my... I had a couple of years, actually. <laughs> um, just as I was finishing my cancer, she got diagnosed with pancreatic and she died um, a year ago. Um, so is she a survivor? No, she's not under the definition because she didn't survive. And so I wanted to generate this mindset that regardless of your prognosis and your scenario in life, you should, and we need to set you up for the ability to be able to thrive. And so what Thriver is about is removing that word survivor and saying regardless of the family or the individual scenario, we're going to set up this infrastructure, this system that enables you to navigate seamlessly through your cancer experience. So think of everything outside of the hospital that happens. I'm not smart enough to deal with the health system, so. Yeah. but what I am smart enough to know is how to help you get an Uber to your door. So we've got partners like Uber, um, how to get food to your door when you've just come out of radio, radiation, how to get you a hotel room when you have to travel from Ballarat every day. We can set up all those things. So think of everything outside the hospital door. We're putting all of that digitally. We've been blessed to have an investor that um, has been through his own cancer experience and, and, and is... Um, uh, has access to capital, and we're digitally building the whole end-to-end -end experience of cancer for everything non-medical, food, childcare, and that's just bringing together beautiful partners like Uber, wonderful group in Sydney, Better Caring, has access to nurses that can act digitally and, and basically be there to care for you if your family can't. We bring all of that community together to enable you to thrive during a cancer and a chronic disease experience, and so we're releasing that at the back end of November, it's all on an app and you'll be able to go in there and for a fee navigate your cancer experience. So I feel really blessed to be able to have beaten cancer. I feel blessed to be alive. But I do believe when you face into something like that and you beat it, you have an obligation. And I feel that word obligation is very strong about what you're going to do post that. For some people, it might be just to be a better dad. So some people, it might be just to make a blanket, whatever it is, you've got an obligation to do something and thrive it for me. I feel very strongly personally responsible to be able to free up future people in cancer and chronic disease and thrive is my gift back, I guess. Mm. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you know, personally for me, um, my dad's going through cancer and oh. um, my my grand my granddad had cancer as well. So the frustration behind yeah. the healthcare system yeah. And I mean, they do an amazing job and I know they're probably doing the best that they can at times, but you know, it is very, very frustrating and just little things like that. Some people don't have the care at home and they don't have the help at home. And I've heard that time and time again with not my family, but outside of that. And I just feel lucky that in terms of our family, we have such a big family to support, but it, for people that don't, this is just, you know, this is just really important and it makes a world of difference. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that's but, beautiful. Um, my, my criticism is not of the health system because I had a wonderful oncologist. I had a wonderful surgeon. I had wonderful nurses that, that I still stay in contact with. I had a wonderful hospital. But they all do their little part with their blinkers on. 
But for you as a, as a patient, trying to navigate all of that across, it's horribly. Like sometimes you have to check into three different parts of a hospital and you finding it difficult to walk and you're struggling mm -hmm. in that and they're like, you need to go to level three. You know, things like that. We should be able to make those simple things like that. And so my criticism isn't of those individuals busting their ass every day. It's as a collective, it's horribly difficult to navigate. Plus all the other things outside the hospital that are happening. We can help eradicate that then I think we can put people into a really good headspace. The example I always tell people, Roger Federer never won Wimbledon telling himself he was useless an hour before the game. Yeah. All right? <laughs> no one's ever going to do well in cancer thinking that they're crap, they're no good, and everything's too difficult for them. Mm. The same logic applies here. We've got to help free people up to have that headspace that they can actually win Wimbledon going into cancer. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's a very important point. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know the frustration. Um, okay, so... Obviously, having the experience that you've had, yep. if you could have talked to yourself before what you've been through, would there any, be anything that you'd say to yourself about health or looking after yourself or would there be anything that maybe you'd do differently or look at differently or you know have routine practices um, to set into place? Oh, wow, that's a deep question. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Where are we going to go with that? <laughs> oh, my God. It's, it's not 7 p.m. at night for those listening and we haven't had a bottle of red yet. So <laughs> it's early in the morning and all I've had is coffee. So, um, <laughs> look, I think I said to you at the start, I actually feel privileged to have had cancer because, you know, I've had 13 months to stop at the height of my success and my career and revisit where is this path going that you're on, Justin? Like, where is it leading to? Um, and I was blessed to have material goods, the good home, the great kids, you know, loving partner, you know, tick, 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 mm. right? But my compass was so wrong. Like, my compass was, was, was wrong. I, I believed in friendships and I had great friends and I invested hard into them. So, so tick on that front. But how I looked after Justin as a temple and how I looked after Justin, the mind of Justin, uh, was horribly wrong. And let me give you a couple of examples. Justin 1.0 versus Justin 2.0. Justin 1.0 was just food going in, you know, and was stressed, agitated at, at, at the most mundane of things, you know, sweated the small things in life. You know, I think the example I used earlier is, I'd be that guy that would toot the horn when the car crossed the lane and cut me off. I mean, on planet Earth, who really gives a shit whether that guy <laughs> has crossed the land or not is how I look at it now. It's sort of like, mm. it's so irrelevant now, who cares? Um, I just smile and drive on. So, so there, there's a part that Justin was just focusing on the wrong things. Now, a lot of my life, when I get out of bed, I try and hold myself accountable. I write a little note in my phone, you know, what's your legacy? And so for me, I didn't think about that word legacy, what you're leaving behind, because it was all about getting the next you know, part of my career, getting the next, you know, big deal. It was all about, you know, the next trip and that. And they're all good things to aspire for. I'm not saying stop doing that. But in terms of what I focused on as collectively, it was horribly wrong. So for me, I build my life around now um, my family and my friends. I build things around things that are going to leave a legacy behind. The project I worked on and projects that I work on in PwC and the people I work with in PwC and my clients, 
are ones that we're going to leave an impact on. Uh, in a place like PwC, you can end up just working on large projects that don't really affect anything on planet Earth um, and don't really have full meaning. I like trying to work on good societal issues that are leaving an impact and, and, and positive. So I really think about this word legacy a lot and legacy is sometimes thought about a long dated view. Legacy for me is how I left that day. So today's Wednesday. I try to ask myself each day, how did I leave that day? Did I leave an impact or was I just a prick the whole day <laughs> and rude with people and just thought about myself? And I still have my shades, which is probably a lot. Um, but Justin 2.0 tries to take a much more holistic view and things that were alien to me before, such as meditation, um, alien to me, such as alkaline friendly with my diet and things like that. Those things that I, I, I would think you're on Neptune talking to me about 1.0 Justin now I totally subscribe to it um, <laughs> I totally live it I'm not like psycho about it or anything like that but it's just a part of the rhythm of my life because I think you can get too crazy on it and then that you actually create a new stress in your life by trying to be that person so, yeah, yeah. so you've got to make sure you don't go too far but the word wellness I don't really like the word because everyone uses it these days but wellness for me in terms of the state of my mind the state of my being state of my interactions uh they're just really really important to me uh, I, i've got a long way to go but they're things that i try to incorporate into the way i live my life yeah i i absolutely love everything that you just said because it, it's so true you know when we have a chance to actually focus on ourselves because we're made to through an experience and then we actually realize that maybe we had it backwards yep. you know um and yeah, exactly what you said. A lot of this is alien to people, meditation, mindfulness, pH, things like that, that we are almost blind to before because no, nothing's going wrong until something does go wrong that opens up us up to it. And I um, we did a beautiful yoga class with Lululemon. I love um, large organizations that are out there in the community and they're putting on free events, information, mm. things like that, running groups, bringing the community together to support healthy living. And um, so we did a yoga uh, class with um, Lululemon and she spoke about how you know we're doing this beautiful yoga and she says my um, mentor says imagine if we treated ourselves how we would treat a baby so or how we treat our child or you know when we first hold a baby with such care we're holding them with such care we're present with them imagine if we treated ourselves with the same gentleness and you know it, it's just it was such a beautiful thing and i think you know, just exposing yourself and opening yourself up to these spectrums, the information that you take in that you weren't aware of before. So, yeah, I, I just love so much what you said and I think that's so important. And I think, you know, we've just got to try and make it part of our life in the same way that buying a coffee in the morning is part of the life of someone in Melbourne. The problem is that it's just not incorporated well so we, we've got a real strong obligation to our children and the next generation coming through to really things such as looking after your mind and anxiety isn't just something that should be accepted. You know, we've got a real strong obligation to incorporate. My, my issue that I have with things like yoga and wellness and mindfulness, they're sort of seen as disjointed, but it's okay to ride a bike. It's okay to run the tan, you know, or, or, or a half marathon or something. They're all perfectly normal. So we've got to try and just bring this wellness into just sort of a, a vernacular that's just part of our 
Western world because it's so beautifully done in the Eastern world. It's just part of the river of life. At the moment, it's still too compartmentalized. So I know with my children that I'm passionate and my daughter does yoga and we do it together and things like that. If we can start to just change Western thinking and make this just accepted, this is part of what, because it's not freaky, it has beautiful impacts and I love the example of the child, then I think you're just going to see such greater impacts of, you know, mental health, anxiety, things like that, that are so debilitating and lonely to go through. We've got a strong obligation to educate and reorient our society around these things, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. And I think especially in the corporate world, as you said there as well, everyone's so, or majority of people are very career orientated and not even looking at that. And it's more, it takes something to happen before they even think about it. So rather than actually working for prevention, it's it's a cure. Yeah, it's something that's definitely needing to improve, I think, in the corporate space in particular. And, you know, there's people out there that are going to be like, oh, this is just a bunch of, you know, hocus pocus, crazy stuff. But there is a lot of science behind brain pathways um, and how we wake up and we access our mindfulness and meditation and even simple things like going for a walk to clear the mind with no distractions. There's a lot of chemistry going on in the brain at that time that sets yourself up for a better day. But obviously, you know, you're really, really busy. So <laughs> given what you do, <laughs> you're just a touch busy, you know, you're, you're a father to three kids, you, you know, you're a husband, you're an amazing businessman. Um, so what do you do in terms of holistic health and training and how do you find the time to do it? The feedback's fair, I am busy. Um, <laughs> and it's just the way my brain's wired, I think I, I, I find it, um, it, it just goes uh, like a hamster sometimes. So one of the things that you and I chatted off air about is that um, males in particular are so great at being driven to, you know, get the next goal. And in corporate land where we live, you know, they're so great at completing a task that a client may give them or their boss might give them or in whatever the, um, the business that they own. For some reason, we've just become stupid when it comes to looking after our own body, though and our own um, exercise and, and doing things for that. So what I've tried to put into my you know, rhythm of life is the same focus I have on delivering those outputs in work I have towards my exercise and towards my uh, wellness in that. Um, so there's about four or five times a week in my diary, you just can't touch me. Tuesday night, 5.30 onwards would be a great example. I cherish it. I own a couple of spin rooms around Melbourne and it's a precious time. It's, it's called the Hurt Locker. It's, it's, a <laughs> it's a difficult exercise to do. I do that on a Tuesday and I do that on a Saturday uh, late afternoon and I do two or three other things. You're just not going to touch my diary. You just <laughs> And don't flatter yourself you're that important that you, um, you can't do that to your diary. I've got this guy I'm working on a project with at the moment. He's got a brain bigger than Neptune and he'll know, I'm going to make him listen to this, he'll know uh, (laughs) because we were having this conversation late last night about And he works too much on the project. So I'm the partner on the project. I'm saying to him, your aim on this project is to work less to deliver more. That's your project, right? And now he has to, as part of this project, he has to do exercise, (laughs) right? He has no choice, all right? Because I worry about him because he's taking this project too seriously, right? Mm. And it's a complex one. It's in banking. He knows exactly who he is as he's listening to this. Um, 
But uh, so he's actually started blocking parts of his diary. And I said, look, I will, as the guy leading this project, make sure that no one can touch that diary. That's sacred. That is you time. That is your special 90 minutes. And if you choose to do 25 minutes of maximum heart rate and 65 just sitting cross-legged, knock yourself, whatever. But that is 90 minutes of you time. And um, don't flatter yourself that you're that important that you can't do this because the, the benefits far outweigh. So uh, he's actually been doing it. He's been very good. And he's saying, well, this actually kind of works, this stuff. Like, you know. So to the point is that it's a project. It's something that I focus on. It's important. Uh, it's not something ad hoc. Oh, I'll just find some time at 5.15 in the morning. No, I'm focused about it. I'm passionate about it. I know the impact it has to my how I am as an individual, my interactions during the day, me as a dad and all those kind of interactions. So I'm horribly busy, but I very much make sure that there are six times of the week that that is ring-fenced um, that you can't touch. And so with my partner at home, she has her times where I put the boys and things like that. You need to be that deliberate with it, not like, oh, I'll get round to it. Because you'll never get round to it because it's not in your diary. It's not. So we've just got to be a little bit more focused. I don't care what you do, walk, I don't care what it is, but we're very flippant with it. We just assume this, we're just going to have awesome bodies and awesome mind space. You know, you need to get a little bit focused around it, is my advice. And so you're not touching those parts of my week. Yeah, um, it's so true because when I when I have times where I'm focused on, like, okay, this time in the morning, time blocked that to go to the gym, it does make the rest of my day more efficient. So I might have less time working, but I'm more efficient in that time because of how I've set my day up. Yeah. You know, and just having this in your lifestyle and focusing on health being a priority really does transform your financial situation. It transforms your everyday life and everyday relationships and experiences. So it just it makes everything efficient. So I love that. And make it make it fun. Yeah. Like I find a podcast to listen to, you know? Everyone should listen to basics, obviously. Um, <laughs> um, but so make it fun. Like put on a playlist that's going to get an extra ten percent of energy out of you. You know, mm-hmm. go with that person that you know takes the piss out of you. You know, like, like this isn't sort of like, oh my god, I'm doing something freaky now. Like just incorporate it. It's like go to the pub. That's fun. Going to the exercise is fun. So just try and have a mindset around it rather than oh, I'm labouring away here. Trying to get fit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'll need to try and get a job in your team as well, Justin, going by the way you treat your uh, your <laughs> Oh, they get worked a little bit hard as well. So you might not I've told the good side of it. <laughs> I love it. It's like work less, deliver more. <laughs> so obviously you've gone gone through a lot, Justin, and you're you're very health conscious now and, and all about wellness. But Presumably, a big part of that is going to be around nutrition and diet as well. Yeah. Um, what's your kind of thoughts on that in terms of Western diets is in particular, but also, you know, how, how important is that for your overall wellness of having good nutrition? So for me, the impact of chemo and putting that into my system for a long time and then having the surgery to replace my bowel, uh, my, my gut, my gut health just went just off the Richter like Mm. it was just it was just shot it it was just non-existent so I never knew these two words gut health existed I I just never knew and I've had to go on my own personal quite difficult 
slash extremely difficult of understanding my gut and what I'm putting into it and the impact that has then on anxiety, the impact it has on me as a how I operate and the impacts of it. And so gut health for me is is absolutely fundamental. Mm-hmm. And we've just got the mathematics all wrong in the Western world. And the example I used is that I drove down to um, my partner's family's um, beach, to, to her beach house on the weekend, and I stopped halfway at one of those monster petrol stations where they're, you know, it's like a suburb, it feels like these days are <laughs> bloody big. So I go in there, and uh, you know, there is KFC on one side, McDonald's on the other, and, and a nice sort of health, you know, Healthy food, something. I can't remember the franchise, but and they had these nice juices, alkaline friendly, and it was actually you know I really enjoyed those types of juices. Mm. On the left of me was McDonald's, was um, two cheeseburgers for three dollars. On the right of me was KFC, was which was two pieces of chicken and chips for four ninety nine or something like that. And then my juice was nine dollars. Yeah. Now I'm fortunate enough to be able to afford the nine dollars, but do you know where all the queues were? They're on the left and the right of me queuing up for the two burgers for, because of the demographic that I was in yeah, meant that income yeah. was going to be spent on the two cheeseburgers for $3. That's unacceptable. You know, that's completely unacceptable. So um, I don't really know what the solution is, but my personal voyage of the impact of sugars and poor foods mm-hmm. and just uh, heavy carbs and things like that into your diet um, repeatedly ha- has meant that I've learned the hard way, but we don't have a system set up at the moment where we can provide um, our children and things like that with healthy living because it's easier to put chips in there that cost 40 cents at Coles or something rather than an apple that's $1.20 or something. So, you know, there is this change that's required. I can't stress to people listening enough the importance of the food going in. It's the impact of how you live your life, the outputs that happen there. So for me, I'm passionate because I've seen the damage it's done to me and the impacts it has when I've got good food. Mm. Uh, My gut is so sensitive now with everything that's happened that there is a correlation of about poor, sugar-rich food that goes in about two or three minutes has an impact on my gut. So I've had to work very judiciously about what I put in and the impacts of it because it has a huge impact of cramps and things like that on how I actually live. So I don't want people to learn that way. I'd rather we set up things of how we incorporate it. Again, you've got to sort of fight against it because it's not an easy access part of our life. Um, Getting healthy foods is harder than finding natural fast foods. So, you know, to the listeners out there, I just want to encourage them about their nutrition and thinking about that because it has enormous impacts on how your mind operates, your body operates and how you interact. is something I personally am very passionate about that whole gut health process. Yeah, I can agree with you more on that one. And it affects everything from your energy to your sleep to everything like that as well. But I think, as you say, part of it's an education to people and part of it is somehow there needs to be access to that healthy food or whatever solutions out there to, to achieve that. But yeah, it's so important. Well, thank you so much, Justin, for being on. We really appreciate your time. We know you're busy. And yeah, we've just, I mean, I've taken so much away from everything you've said. I've taken so much away from your short film. So I really, really recommend everyone jump on and do anything you can to really support Cause as well, because it's it's amazing. So yeah, we really appreciate it. Well, thank yeah. you. And Thanks, Justin. The work. Thanks. Keep inspiring everyone. Cheers. Have a great day. 
That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you just heard, please share it with your friends and colleagues. You can check out our previous episodes at www.basicslw.com or subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud to name but a few. You can also check out what the team have been up to on Facebook and Instagram. And if you have any questions, feedback, or would like to find out more, drop us a line on info at basicslw.com. Join us next time where we'll be covering another topic and hopefully answering one of those burning questions of yours. 